Welcome to our weekly devotion. This week, I'm starting with Psalm 66, 16. Chapter 66, verse 16 of the Psalms. Come and hear, all you who fear God, and I will declare what he has done for my soul. Come and hear, all you who fear God, and I will declare what he has done for my soul. Now, that's the bedrock of our finding joy in the Lord. I want us to start there and know that we find joy by recounting what the Lord has done and, and considering it, contemplating it, what he's done in my life, in the lives of people I know, in my larger family and in my culture, in my nation and between the nations and in world history. We want to know what God has done and find joy in that. And I think you'll find that the analogy of either Peter walking on water but sinking when he takes his eyes off Christ, or the four seeds and the seeds that are choked by the cares of this world, you'll see that both of those analogies have the same thing, which is that when our lives seem burdened and difficult and depressing, our eyes have been taken off of this. It's not merely staring at Jesus like you have a picture of Jesus, and if Peter had seen this picture, he would keep walking on water. It's that you're declaring what the Lord has done for your soul. You're walking towards Jesus. You know that he's the one who redeems your soul. So I want to switch from there to Isaiah 40 and start in verse 18. The principle is the same, and, and that's really what today's uh, devotion is about, is finding our joy in the Lord and how to do that. I realize that we may not know how to do that. We might hear that phrase, find your joy in the Lord, but it's kind of empty to us. It's just a nice thing to say or be told, but you don't know how to do it. Like telling you, fly a fighter jet. And I mean, that sounds great, but I don't know how, and it takes training. Now, this isn't technical and difficult the way flying a fighter jet is. This is something clear and available to everybody, but because of our own sin and because of the baggage we bring into the faith, we can have a difficult time knowing how to do that. And it might seem like, well, that just means open your Bible and read all day, and that's finding the joy of the Lord. Instead of, no, the first thing you do is you're, you're knowing what God has done for you. And you're seeing God's active work in your life now. Anything that's coming up, you see how it relates back to God loving you and working in your life and drawing you closer to him. So verse 18, to whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare to him? The workman molds an image. The goldsmith overspreads it with gold and the silversmith casts silver chains, etc. So 18 and then 19, to whom we liken God, to an idol that some human has made, and our cares and concerns serve that same purpose. To whom will you liken God? To what will you liken the joy of God? Well, I instead of thinking about the joy of the Lord, I like to spend my time worrying about this or that problem. I think through all the things that could go wrong, and then I rethink through those same things, and then I think about them one more time, and then I keep thinking about them, right? So you're just worrying and going through scenarios, and none of that's helpful for you. It doesn't actually solve the problem, and it just keeps you in a miserable condition. In contrast, starting in verse 21, have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and his inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He brings princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth useless. And it continues on in this chapter, 
of recounting the things the Lord does. This is especially at the national world history level that God is in charge of that. God is completely in charge and the idols of the nations can do nothing for them. But that then also applies to our world situation. If we're ever tempted to worry about it and think, oh no, what will happen with this or that? The economy is crashing or there might be World War III. Well, there, there may or may not be those things, but whatever happens, we know God is sovereign over it and that within the, the happenings of world history, we have very specific commands about what we're to do. We're to glorify God and enjoy him forever. It doesn't say glorify God and enjoy him forever unless the world history is difficult or unless we have trials in our life. Even in those things, we can, as we're told in James chapter one, count it all joy when we face many trials of different kinds. So we're also able to do that. And we do that the same way the psalmist does and the same way Isaiah does. So let's make it our point here to begin learning how to find the joy of the Lord. This is only step one. There's much more to it. But step one is come and listen to the things that the Lord has done for my soul. I'm reminding myself, even sometimes the psalmist speaks to himself. I'm reminding myself, soul, you seem troubled. You seem bothered by many things. Don't you remember what the Lord has done for you? And you can recount them, name them. And you know what? I can imagine someone saying, yeah, I got to about four things, and they're very general things. God was good to me. He saved me. Uh, he has so loved the world, and he sanctifies me through suffering. Well, that's, and, and I'm still miserable. I'm not joyful. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. You're not very, giving a very good go at it. What you're, what you're showing is that you don't really know the things that the Lord has done for you. So take time to search them out. Find them out like a precious gem or a pearl of great price. Spend all you have to discover what has the Lord done for you, and then you'll have a list that brings you joy. But right now, your list is a good indicator of why you're miserable. You're not taking any time to do that, and your answers aren't very good answers. So get specific about the ways the Lord has done that, and you might not know. It might be uh, convicting. Maybe this convicts you, and it should, to say, yeah, I don't know. I've never really spent time doing that. And I don't know how to even start, but I'm going to begin looking into it. That's the first thing. I'm going to seek out the Lord. I'm seeking him out. That's step one, so that I might understand, so I might do what is right. And up until now, I've just been tossed to and fro. I've had a general sense that I'm saved from sin by Jesus, and that's about as far as I go. I can't recount the greatness of God. Notice where Isaiah began. From the very beginning, Genesis 1.1, don't you know that God created all things? Only God has existed from eternity and all else was created by him. Don't you know that? Well, no, I didn't. I didn't even know how to prove that. I mean, how would anybody know that? Well, you should take time to find out how to prove it. And that's one of the things you'll put on your list the great about the greatness of God. So we begin to look for the joy of the Lord in our life by being able to recount to ourselves and then to others all the things the Lord has done for us. And they're endless. So you'll never actually run out. If you find yourself running out, uh, you should run out of time in the day before you actually run out of the list. But if you find yourself running out, that's a challenge to you to say, yeah, you need to keep going then. You need to do a better job of looking into these things and all that God has done for you. And when you do that, keeping your eyes on the Lord, you'll continue in that joy of the Lord, which is uh, everlasting. It can't be taken from you. So thank you for joining me this week as we look at the joy of the Lord.